Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Craig. And we are your hosts as we talk all things church, life, theology, faith, and beyond. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast, season two, episode number 10. Hello, Holly. How are you today? Oh, hey, Craig. I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. That, that's, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Because I wasn't here last time. No, and you weren't. I was, was replaced. A, uh, yeah, there was an imposter on uh, the Ross Road podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I, should we evaluate his performance on the podcast? <laughs> how well he did? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So out, out, out of 10, how well did Graham do uh, co oh, Hmm. It was pretty good. I think, you know what, especially our conversation about sports. I mean, come on, that was, oh. <laughs> can't get much better than that, right? <laughs> probably so probably a 10 10 out of 10 see graham has a good voice for podcasting he does um we're going to interview him uh hopefully on the next episode and so one of the things i'm going to ask him about is he used to host his own podcast so really he did yeah so this was his first try yeah wow um and i want to know what the podcast was about i think uh, so uh, maybe i shouldn't say this because i don't know for sure i I think his podcast had something to do with rating other podcasts, <laughs> which, wow. which sounds like the most Graham thing to do ever. That does. Right. <laughs> wow. So. We live in such an interesting time. We do. But you know what? It's so interesting. Like the podcasts that I listen to are mostly reviews of other TV shows as well. Right. right. So that, you know what? I, I think I would listen to a podcast about other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well and maybe maybe we could, we'll have to dig up some old episodes and see if we can Ooh. pull some clips or something i'm not sure if they exist somewhere else i mean they probably do oh yeah but um yeah so wasn't his first go around uh, yeah the sports thing was interesting i i kind of laughed a, well i did laugh because at one point one of you said craig is probably listening to this and cringing and I had literally just winced at something that you guys had said. <laughs> something about Wayne Gretzky playing for the 2010 Canadian Olympic team. Yeah. I was like, ooh. Well, you <laughs> I know you were joking. You knew that Wayne I was Gretzky say, wasn't there. That sounds like something I would purposefully yeah. say wrong to make yeah. you cringe. And you did. You succeeded. So that's good. <clears throat> congratulations. I, I live to I live for that. So yeah. that's yeah. good. No, Graham did a good job. So I thought, um, I thought one thing we should do because Graham, uh, he wanted to come and have a conversation about something that I knew a lot about and you guys didn't know as much about, well, I wasn't there. So I thought we should do the same to Graham. Ooh, yep. I like it. So um, one of the things Graham knows lots about uh, is landscaping because he owns a landscaping company. So I thought you and I could have a conversation about (laughs) landscaping. Okay. So you tell me everything you know about landscaping. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's it. About it eh? <laughs> uh, you know what? You know, I am a florist, so um, that's kind of like landscaping. It is. And Except you take uh, the flowers out of the ground and then do something with them. That's right. But you know what? I absolutely do not do that part. People don't really realize that there's a big difference between flower farming and being a florist right like i know nothing about growing flowers so uh you know maybe i don't really know anything about landscaping (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? You're a dad. You should know stuff about landscaping. I feel like when you become a dad, it just happens. <laughs> oh, well, I spent a lot of time uh, in my teen years cutting grass. Like that was a part of my job at the farm. There right. was lots of grass everywhere. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> actually the boss, the, the two bosses, they were very particular about their lawns and they liked it when I cut them for them. So oh, I felt some pride about that. <laughs> yeah, I felt some pride about like being the guy to cut the boss's grass in the way that he likes. So I appreciate a good lawn cut and I appreciate making nice clean lines in my lawn um, and uh, making it look nice. I'm sure Graham could do a much better job than I could. Um, yeah. But I know he gets the same satisfaction out of like the lawn once it's cut and like looks all nice and you've done the edging with your weed eater and like cleaned it all up like that's a good feeling at the end of the oh, job I bet. yeah there's a good that satisfaction be a good and there's it's one of the about... things yeah, you, you first go, you first oh well if i may i was gonna say there is something satisfying when you're doing a job like that where you get to look at it at the end of the day and say wow i did that yeah because sometimes in our line of work, we don't always get that at the end of the day because sometimes you're thinking really big picture, long-term stuff. Yeah. So you don't you really- took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say the exact same thing. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. Look at us. <laughs> in, a, in a people kind of job, the job's never yes. done, right? Like you don't totally. ever be like, oh, that person's perfect now. So, you know, yeah. for, you know, so, uh, but when you're done a physical job like that, it feels yeah. Good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sometimes I need to feel accomplished so much that even if I've already completed something and it wasn't on my checklist, I'll write it down and yes. still check it off. <laughs> yes, this is right. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did that during your internship. I remember that was a key part yeah. of the day it was like, oh, hey, we didn't put lunch down, but we just ate. So let's write that down and cross it off, right? <laughs> Slushy run, done. <laughs> done, check. <laughs> Hitting the clock with a, a Nerf gun, check. Yes, oh, that was the a first great thing. game. Yeah. yeah. The first thing I ever did when I sat down for my internship. <laughs> so the game was just to explain it. Yeah. Was um, we had a Nerf gun in the youth pastor's office because you need one of there. Of course. Yeah. And the light switch was across the room. And so the game was, can you with this unreliable Nerf gun that doesn't shoot straight and doesn't shoot consistently either. Yeah. Can you turn off the light with the Nerf gun? And it was harder than it sounds. Oh yeah. yeah. I think I've done it like once. That's it. Hey, okay. Wow, I I, well, I don't remember. I honestly even forgot that that was a part of it. I just remember hitting the clock specifically. Oh no, the light switch was the um, real key. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I did that probably at least once for sure. Yeah. And that feels like a whole other lifetime ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Like 2013, I think. Oh, almost 10 years ago. Oh man. <laughs> Man, wow. I look back at 2021 and feel like that's a long time ago. It well, yeah. Yeah. I, I still haven't really adjusted to 2022 yet at all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you're 22 or 2022. That's really hard to say. Yeah. Your 2022 hasn't exactly got off to the best start. So you've mm. been dealing with uh, <laughs> some fun health issues. So, um, yeah. you know, how has your experience uh, with COVID been? Yeah. So remember, uh, well, well, let's go back even further. Yeah. <laughs> remember right. when we talked on the podcast about New Year's Eve and like what you do for New Year's Eve? And I was yes. like, usually I don't stay up. <clears throat> yeah. So I stayed up on New Year's Eve. Uh, we had some people over. Um, Dave and Courtney were over. Yeah. And we were playing games. And uh, so I went to bed at 1 30 
and I got that's, a cold. That's late. For yeah. Craig. Oh yeah. yeah. I got a cold two days later <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't get so enough shocked. Sleep. Yeah. Uh, Cause I had to get up and go pick up some friends from the airport in the morning. So, I mean, I slept and I could have slept until nine, but I woke up at six 30 and I was just like, okay, I'm awake now. Yikes. Um, so anyways, I was sick for some of that week. And then the next week I got hit with the COVID. It was my turn to, to have that experience. And, uh, and everyone experiences it differently. And I hear yeah. these days about people who get it, but don't even really know that they have it. And I'm like, wow, that sounds nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it hit on Monday and it was like sore throat, congestion, headache, body Ugh. aches. Like Jenny tried to give me like a shoulder massage at one point. It was like, she was pushing knives into my, Ugh. my shoulders. And uh, yeah, the body aches of COVID were on su a super underrated symptom. Like that yeah. sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Back was all sore. And yeah. that night it was like the, when you have a flu and you're like hot and cold at the same time, like Ugh. that kind of thing. And so rough. So, um, but that was only really one day. And then the next day I was like, okay, like I feel a little better. Like you know, maybe I'll rebound from this. And yeah, I tried to do some work and then realized that I really didn't have the capacity to do a whole lot of that. Totally. And uh, then I just kind of leveled out for a little while and it was like on the couch almost all day. Um, and uh, every once in a while, I'd be like, okay, like I gotta like go do something. I'm tired of laying here on the couch, like yeah. get up and do something. And then I'd get up to go to the bathroom and I'd take like 15 steps and my head would be spinning and my legs would be shaking. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. shoot. <laughs> so, so back to the couch. Um, I, I finally got my test on Thursday and that was like uh, on these rapid tests that you take home now. Right. You just take it home and do it yourself. Um, looks like a pregnancy test. And yeah. the, the positive line was like super like pronounced. Like it, <laughs> it wasn't like, is it, it was there almost or like not? Mocking you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, if I, if this was a pregnancy test, I'd be asking if I was having twins, you know, like, <laughs> like I am. <laughs> yeah. That is I, definitely how it works. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's totally how it is. Yeah. Take it to the bank. Um, yeah. It was like, yeah, you've got COVID. Um, and yeah. so I, we decided I'd kind of hide away from the family just for a few days. <clears throat> and then Josh tested positive a few days later. And so I was like, forget Oof. that. I'm just kind of with everybody. But there was a couple of days where I was basically on my own, which is boring. But I mean, I was just laying there. So yeah, whatever. Isn't it crazy uh, that like as humans, we're not really built to relax either. Like even uh, when you're like, I know that I need to give my body rest. Yeah. Like even if you're, you know, supposed to just take the day and spend the whole day on the couch, like mentally, it's like, oh, you need to get up and do something productive. Otherwise, yeah. like you're a piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you feel guilty about it. Totally. And uh, there have been so many people telling me, like, take care of yourself. Like, don't overdo yeah. it. And maybe that, maybe so many people have to tell me because I don't get it or because I, yeah. you know, whatever. But so, um, yeah, because then like the second week, I was like, okay, like week two, like I got to like figure things out here. Yeah. Um, but it was like, every time I tried to do something, I just, I couldn't do it. And, yeah. um, uh, like uh, that Thursday where I tested positive, I went up the stairs two or three times and I, I'm not even joking. My legs were shaking <laughs> That's <laughs> how little energy I had trying to oh. get up the stairs. Yeah. The um, fatigue is real. Yeah. So the second week I was still pretty tired. I tried to do a little more here and there. Uh, you guys fired me from preaching that week, which was a <laughs> real blessing actually in disguise. Yeah um uh because I didn't want to give that up but I was I needed to oh um, definitely. so Bobby did great with that and did it on short notice so shout out to Bobby yeah, definitely. Um, 
now week three i feel like i'm kind of hopefully turning the corner yeah. um <clears throat> i did preach record the the sermon this morning and felt uh, good about that until I, I left the studio walked back to my office and sat down i was like whoa now i'm tired um yeah but, you know hopefully i'm on the on the right track here so yeah and then it, josh it i said josh had it he bounced back in like a day so like it's so crazy that it hits him. people so different yeah good for you <laughs> yeah when he told me yeah. he felt better i was like oh great yeah <laughs> like i'm happy for so him nice. genuinely happy yeah. for him but yeah, yeah. So, well i definitely found the fatigue definitely lasted a long time when i had it yeah but um, I mean, it's a, it was like a totally different variant too, probably. So it's yeah. so hard to say like how long it'll last and when you'll totally get over it. But yeah, and like you like you say, like when you had it, it was really easy for me to be like, yeah, like Holly, take your time, like yeah, right, don't overdo it, like take care of yourself. And now that when yeah. I've got it, I'm like, I got to get back to get to doing stuff. Oh yeah, and <laughs> yeah. like I definitely tried probably earlier than I should have too. Like I remember just like yeah, trying to sit down and even just do work at the computer. You're like, oh, I'm not moving around. Yeah. I'm just sitting doing work, but it's so like, it takes up way too much mental energy. Yeah, You can't do anything productive. And then trying to do Zoom meetings, like no way. Oh yeah, those were tiring. Yeah. <laughs> those were really tough. Yeah, I yeah. noticed that too. Yeah, definitely. So anyways, we're in the COVID club now and uh, right. Jenny and Kenzie never got it, which is really yeah. weird. That's honestly but, wild. Yeah. Good. But yeah, good. Um, and, and thankfully too, they changed the, the quarantine requirements before our quarantine was done because yeah, the, really the rules, nice. which some people have in our church have had to follow, uh, have been uh, for, so for instance, if Josh was positive, he had to quarantine 10 days and then Kenzie's quarantine would have had to start at the end of Josh's quarantine. So hers would have oh. been 20 days long and, and she wasn't even six. <laughs> so yeah. like, oh, come on like that. And like, like Kenzie to me seems like a pretty extroverted oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. She was, so yeah. that would not be fun. <laughs> the kids did great though. Like they were awesome. Yeah. And my wife's a, a real champion. So, Oh she, yeah. She handled things really well. Um, anyways that's probably enough about that but that's um you know good times uh, yeah we're glad that you're on the mend but also yeah, you know so. take the time that you need still <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh hey today we've got a, a different kind of conversation which is kind of cool um we're talking with jason lep jason's a part of our church and uh he is a part of the lep farm market empire and uh, we thought it'd be fun to talk to him about uh, what it's like to be a Christian in the business world and um, what that looks like for him and his job um, and uh, kind of related leadership type questions. And so we were thrilled to talk to him. We talked to him just after the flooding happened and uh, his family was impacted by that a little bit. I shouldn't say a little bit, uh, quite majorly, actually, um, not his own personal home, but but um, one of the LEP properties. So he'll talk about that, but um, that was uh, obviously a couple months ago by now that that had happened. So that's why we're referring to that. So anyways, enjoy this conversation with Jason LEP. Jason LEP, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, really great <clears throat> to chat with you. Uh, looking forward to hearing a bit of your story. So let's actually start with a bit of your story. Tell us a bit about yourself 
maybe uh, a little bit of your faith background and um, eventually tell us what led you to, to Ross Road Community Church. Okay. Um, well, this year I turned 30, so I'm now uh, an old person. Um, Welcome to the club. Uh, yeah, love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, 30 years old. Um, my wife, Megan, we're actually coming up on our 10-year anniversary this year in May. Nice. So that's, uh, you know, we had big plans for traveling and doing all crazy things, but, um, you know, things have changed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then we have three girls. Uh, Wynn is our oldest. Uh, Paisley is in the middle and Maddie, uh, she just turned one a number of months ago. So yeah, girl, dad, um, my life is full of, uh, unicorns and glitter and, uh, pink crayons primarily As it and it's be. fun. Yeah. And it's fun. So yeah, I love it. We have a ton of fun. Um, we, we, uh, yeah, a little bit of background on me. I attended MEI my whole life. That's where Megan and I met. So um, we were dating in high school, high school sweethearts. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. That's yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we only broke up once throughout that process, and uh, that was that was my fault. And to this, day, I actually can't answer the question of why. Uh, just, I don't know. Yeah, just wanted to just wanted to spice things up a bit, I guess. <laughs> But uh, I realized very quickly that was probably the stupidest thing I ever did. So yeah, came crawling back. Um, Worked out for you in the end. Yeah, yeah, we're doing okay. Um, yeah, so MEI, heavily involved with the music program at MEI. That's always kind of been my passion. Um, and so I attended South Abbotsford Church as a kid growing up. Uh, my parents still go there. Our family went there. And uh, yeah, how we, how we landed at Ross Road um we actually moved to when we got married we moved to Bradner and uh, a good friend of mine uh he, they were attending Ross Road at the time their families and he said hey you should come check it out it's okay sure so it was uh m- maybe a geographical decision of it being mm-hmm. close yeah. and also Megan and I were just looking for a church uh at that time you know we we didn't feel like just going on mom and dad's church was the best move. So uh, in a family business, we've been taught uh, to try and, you know, we spend a lot of time together Yeah. Um, and um, it's been referenced, you know, the circles of there's the circles of like the friends and the, the church and the business and the family. And you kind of want to like manage how many of those circles overlap because right. you end up just being with the same group all the time. And, you know, yeah. As some of you may know, family business isn't always the easiest thing in the world. So a little bit of space and having different groups gives you a really healthy perspective. Yeah. So we've we've loved it. Yeah. We've since moved away from Bradner, but we make the trek, make the big, the big trek up to to Ross Road. And yeah, so it's been fun. Got involved with the worship arts a little bit more in the last number of years. And that's been great. That's a highlight for me. Always playing on the worship teams. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. On the drums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So people will know in Abbotsford, the LEP family name, uh, partially because mm-hmm. of LEP Farm Market. We'll talk about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But where do you fit within the LEP um, constellation of families? Oh, boy. Um, so Henry and Elizabeth LEP. Are we talking like family tree? That's what we're doing Yeah, here? Yeah, give us a place yourself. There's no way this is a Mennonite Brethren podcast, is it? Um, <laughs> the, um, so Henry and Elizabeth are my dad's parents. So Henry and Elizabeth Lepp, uh, my grandpa was, my grandpa and his brother George were uh, Lepp trucking for a number of years. And then they moved into um, hog farming and they had some new cattle and, and whatever here in the, in the Matsu Flats. So that was kind of their, that was their game. 
Um, and my dad is Rob, Rob and Charlotte are my parents. Um, so that's how, you know, that's the left, that's the left, uh, way. And then Oma, uh, Oma Clausen. So Suzanne and, uh, Walter Clausen are my mom's parents. And, uh, yeah, so that's, kinda, and they were chicken farmers down here in, in Abbotsford as well. So a lot of agriculture in the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, tell us a bit about the family business. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we started, um, well, Robin, so my parents, they bought the farm from my grandpa early on uh, in their married life and, and we're doing hogs. Uh, so we were actually, you're the third largest hog producer in British Columbia at one point. And uh, we did sweet corn in summer and we sold that out of like the, a tin shack on the corner here on Highway 11 and Claiborne Road where Love Farm Market now lives. Um, so a lot of corn off that corner and we, you know, sweat as kids, many days, many summer days in the, <laughs> in the tin shack. <clears throat> and so, uh, we, we did that for a number of years, hog farming. And, um, in 2005, um, yeah, I believe in 2005, there was a decision to not do that anymore. It's pretty volatile. Um, it's not supply managed. We, we don't have to get into the politics of, you know, agriculture and supply management, but uh, it's one of the industries it's not. So it can, it's really up and down. And Rob and Shark, I mean, just said like, we're done here. We're done with this. With really no plan. Uh, it was like, we're done. And we're figuring out something. So kind of fast forward, like you have to, that takes a time, you know, when you're that large of an operation, there's a lot of like, you know, you have from piglets to, you have the whole thing. So it doesn't just like, it doesn't end in an instant. Um, so over the next number of years, there was a lot of dreaming and napkin drawings and, you know, talk amongst mom and dad, Robin Shar. I referenced him to Robin Shar. So, you know, yeah, yeah that's just how it goes. Um, so Robin Shar, uh, they came up with this kind of dad wanted to stay in agriculture in some way. And, and my mom has always been very passionate about food. And so, um, yeah, Rob's definitely the risk taker in the family. So he kind of he kind of dreamt up this, like, let's go direct to market. Like, let's stop having people tell us how much to sell our product for. Let's just go right to consumers. So that was kind of the that was kind of the vision, stay in farming and then build this market. Now the nap and drawing got really, really big. Uh, and uh, and so that's kind of it just we had a ton of help. And um, yeah, we started construction in 2009 on Lepar Market. And uh, we completed that construction uh, we opened that in November at the very end of November in 2009 so pretty much for the year we were in construction mode um, at the same time you know de- demoing hog barns and figuring out new stuff we bought an orchard and a soyas because we have to like grow so much of what we sell because we're on the agriculture land reserve um, yeah that those first couple of years were uh, there was something yeah that was pretty intense so we kind of got to we got to a point where we opened the store and then, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a little bit of history on the farm to opening the market. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that your mom was really passionate about food. And I think that has so obviously uh, trickled down to you. I think like a couple of weeks ago, we played on the worship team together and uh, before the team, we were all talking about food and I've never seen Jason so focused in a conversation <laughs> when we were talking about food so tell us a kind of about uh i guess your passion for like the food industry itself it just kind of rubbed off like as kids like as kids just working on the farm and I, like my uh 
yeah, what, I don't know how to best answer that question. It's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like genetic is kind of <laughs> like, Amazing. we've just always been around food and my mom's been so passionate about food. And so you kind of take that into, it's not something that you like f- focus on anymore. It's just such an important part of our life. And like food isn't, you know, it isn't everything, but it sure is a lot of what we do just as humans, right? You eat three meals a day, you sit around the table. Um, food usually brings a group of people together. Food is usually what we talk about while we're eating it. We're talking about the food that we're eating while we're eating it. Um, you know, you like I said, well, I think, yeah, referencing back to our conversation we had, uh, Holly, like you could just talk about food and the memories around it forever. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's often that we go through kind of like, you know, oh, we play this game often at work. It's like, what's the most memorable meal you ever ate? What's the worst meal that you ever ate? You know, like you kind of like it, it ties to so many things. So I think that's where a lot of the passion comes from. But then also like, then also just understanding how much work we put into our farming and having a really good understanding of like, if people knew, if people knew half of what it takes to bring products to market, mm they would probably genuinely be okay with paying double the price. Mm. Like there's so much work that goes, especially for, especially for local products. And, you know, in some of the, some of the conditions we, some of the conditions that we grow in and, you know, the weather that we put up with and different things, I think we just have such a better understanding. And when you put that much work into, um, when you put that much work into what you're doing and you love it at the same time, it's pretty easy to get passionate about it. And so, and we also, we also believe that, you know, it's, there's a way you can do this really simply. It doesn't have to be this very complicated, um, overthought out exclusive like thing. It's just a matter of like, are you going to prioritize, you know, what you eat and where you buy it from and, those are, those are things that are really important to us and the process uh, that goes along with that. So, you know, we believe we're stewards of the land and, you know, uh, we try, we always try and put out the best product that we can. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a passion. It's, it's a, we don't, do, we don't farm for fun. I'll put it that way. It's a, uh, it's, it's a passion and, uh, and it's, and it's a big part of our business. Um, and we believe in the fact that someone's got to do it. So we want we may as well do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the answer to this is probably a little bit of everything, but what specifically is your role in the store, the farms? Um, where do you find yourself most of the time? Um, yeah, that's actually changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. So um, to give you a little bit of context, I have two other siblings. Um, Carrie's my, she's the oldest in her family. She's my sister. Um, and she's married to Jeff, Hoogie, and they chicken farm in Chilliwack. So uh, Jeff raises our uh, chickens for us on our farm as well. So they're, that's, that's to the involvement in the business. That's where they're at. Um, they got a lot going on with their own chicken farm. They run a big farm. Um, Mike and his wife, Casey, and their family. Uh, Mike actually runs all of our farm operations. So as far as the farming goes, I'm not all that involved. Um, Mike looks after that. Um, that's one passionate farmer. I'll give him, uh, you know, I'll tell you that. And he, um, he loves it. Absolutely loves it. So he looks after all of our crops down here in the Valley and we're, yeah, we're harvesting over hundred acres of, of vegetable and uh, fruit crops here in the Valley. And we have two, um, 10 acre orchards and a soyas. So we do all of our own soft fruits as well. 
And so him and my dad, Rob, they manage a lot of the logistics there and back and our cattle are in Ashcroft. So we're kind of, we're always driving around we got trucks all over the place and stuff. So as far as the farming goes, um, I'm involved more at like a high level, but I'm not, uh, I don't find myself on the farm too much, uh, which there's days I'd love nothing more than just go out there and, you know, mm-hmm. fix strawberries, but, mm-hmm. um, that's not where, that's not where my talents are best suited. So, um, I'm, I, I'm on the retail side of our business. So, um, up until about last year, yeah, pre COVID we'll use pre COVID as the cutoff. Sure. Uh, we'll use COVID as the cutoff in time. Uh, I was our, I was our, actually our meat department manager. So I started with Love for Market. I started in the meat department and then worked my way through, uh, learned the trade on site. And I did that for, well, yeah, eight, nine years. Uh, did butchery and sausage making and all that kind of stuff. So that's where I, that's where I found myself. So I left, um, I left the meat department. Uh, you never fully leave, the, you know, where you started. So um, I left that, uh, yeah, basically right around when COVID started was kind of the transition. Uh, my parents are, you know, not around as much. They're wanting to step away a little bit from the business more. So Ryan Weeb and myself, um, we oversee the retail operations of the business, which now includes two locations. Uh, we have our daily market in downtown Abbotsford and then our Claiborne Road site. So, um, yeah, man, where do I find myself? You know, it's everything from uh, a shovel to a shop vac to changing light bulbs to being a part of, you know, our big decisions and what we're doing next. A lot of visioning. Um, I love business development. So it's uh, it's a lot of the brainstorming and ideas. I love our marketing and being a part of our marketing team. So, yeah, it's just working with a lot of our department heads and and make sure we keep keep her going. So yeah, it's a big, we got a, we got a big team, large team. So it's, it's a full-time gig. Yeah. Yeah. So you just mentioned the the daily market in downtown Abbotsford. So I had seen that on Instagram, but I was wondering what exactly it was. So is that just another location for LEPS or is it something kind of different? Uh, we started a scratch bakery there. Okay. Uh, a bread shop. So we always felt that our bread was a little underwhelming. So we said, well, fine, we'll just do it ourselves so uh we started a bread shop and so and we have a small retail location there too deli sandwich shop uh so it's a cool little cool little site but we're baking bread for both locations and yeah you can find some what products there and daily products at lfm and yeah it's a lot of back and forth yeah. so yeah That's interesting now you're happy with the bread quality uh yeah much happier yeah yeah we still got our we still got work to do yeah yeah. yeah, never baked a loaf of bread in my life until we opened the daily. So. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you learn how you, you learn as you go. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I love listening to you and others like you talk. Like my father-in-law is the same kind of way. Like he started a company once with something he knew nothing about because someone asked him if he could do it. And he's like, well, I'll find a way to do it and then I'll do it for you, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, same kind of thing with you, right? Like I, I love hearing the entrepreneurial spirit and just like, we're going to get her done. Yeah, and I think one of our like, I I... I say this humbly, but I think one of our greatest skill sets is finding really great people mm-hmm. who are really, really good at what they do. Yeah. Um, and Spencer, he's our head baker at, at Daily. And like, yeah, there's really no reason for me to, to bake bread. Um, but Spencer's an absolute knockout at it. So, you know, we let him do his thing in there. But that's yeah. that's been that's been something we've learned is is important is just our ability to recruit and find great people. So we have a really strong team. Yeah. Nice. Uh, how is it that your faith impacts your business? 
<laughs> uh, you know, I'd say like some days, probably like most people, some days I feel like we do a really good job. And then some days I feel like we don't do such a great job. Um, but I think one thing I've, I've learned, um, especially in the, la- the last couple of years, like as like everyone knows, the last couple of years have been more challenging than we will have, you know, if we would have, we probably wouldn't have signed up for uh, what we, what we've endured over the last couple of years, but um, the last couple of years have taught me to um, rely a lot on prayer. And um, I, again, some days I do this better and I spend an appropriate amount of time in the morning, but um you know, starting each morning with just a different routine. And even, even if it's a few more minutes in the truck before you kind of get going and, and, and just asking for wisdom. Um, you know, I heard a, a quote from Andy Stanley. He said, Lord, you know, give me the wisdom to know what is right and give me the courage to do it, even if it costs me. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been put in a lot of positions where it's like, okay, this is either going to be a costly decision or it's going to cost me something, or I actually just have no idea what to do. Mm. Um, and boy, have we been at a crossroads with decisions over the last you know, number of months. So mm. I think relying on prayer has been huge. Um, and I think we have an ability as business leaders, not just us, but as business leaders who um, are believers you have the ability to take the church and the love that the church is about. Um, you have the ability to take that outside the church. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, we're at a staff of over a hundred people at this point. And so the interactions we have with just t- so many different people in so many different situations, um, the, the opportunity, um, you know, not everybody takes every opportunity, but the opportunity for us to just show what it means to love each other is just more evident now than ever. And people are hurting. And so if, if that's something that we can do that people say that's different and then it's, it's given us an opportunity to engage in some conversations. That's awesome. Um, and it also is like great for our culture. Culture is such a huge part of what we do at left Farm market. Um, and we just believe in taking care of each other. And so we've been able to show, yeah, I believe we've been able to show God's love uh, to as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I really enjoy talking to you kind of about that. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot in the past too, because obviously I work at Russell, that's my full-time job. And then I have a flower business on the side of that. And that's the one thing that I've realized too in the last couple of years is oh this is my chance to really like show God's love to the people that I'm interacting with that would have no idea that I was a Christian before so it's yeah it's really interesting that exactly what you're saying you're just bringing that with you wherever you go in these different like business opportunities it's really interesting so I would like to know and we're asking you this off the fly so if you can't think of anything that's fine but has there been any specific instance in which you responded to something or a conflict or situation in which maybe you would have responded differently if you weren't a person of faith. You guys couldn't have given me a heads up on that one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think there's, there's, I think there's lots of opportunity as business leaders and, you know, bosses or managers um, get pegged quite often as just saying like, well, if you can't do it or like if you're having a hard time or like whatever, you know, 
uh, too bad. And, you know, take a hike or this isn't for you. Or if like you can't do it, then, you know, here's the result of what's going to happen. <clears throat> I think we've pushed and our leadership team is incredible. And some of the things that, that they've done for their teams, I mean, it takes, <laughs> I heard someone say one time, like Jesus could only lead 12 people really, really well. Like he had his disciples. So if you think you can like have these incredibly strong relationships with more than what Jesus was able to pull off, <laughs> you're dreaming. And so, uh, you know, it takes a lot more than just us to, to have these relationships with our team. So our leadership team, like they lean in hard. Um, and they're, they're doing everything they can outside of the time, you know, at work, uh, to look after people. And that's like, that's from things of, you know, we have, uh, someone who loses a loved one, or you have someone who's just going through a really hard time where you catch someone, you know, and they probably wouldn't have said anything to you otherwise, but you catch them in a state of obviously, you know, despair or sadness or whatever's going on and and it's just that willingness to like put your arm around somebody and say like hey like how you doing or do you just want to like sit here and i'll just sit with you mm-hmm. and we're going to sit with you in this and like you're part of our you're part of our family um you know as a business leader there is uh, there's other sides to that too where you know we still we still have our jobs to do and 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 we, we try and make that clear with our teams of like we're here to care boy do we care um and we're also here to do our work and so that's, you know, there's a very fine, there's a very fine balance to that. Um, but also just making sure to know where to draw the line and say like, Hey, we're here to help. And one of the ways we can do that is just help you get help. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things going on. And I think a lot of people don't have, um, a lot of people in their life just don't have that, like that family or that network of people. So like when you have this network at work, um, we have the ability to help out. And I think it's a willingness to just say like, we're going to, you know, financially, we're going to help. Uh, we're going to give of our time. We're going to help. Uh, we're going to be, we're going to be understanding and, you know, we're going to ask questions first. Um, like those are just some of the attributes that we've taken on. And I think that's, that's different. There's a lot of people who say like, I don't want to know that's your personal life. You know, when you walk through the doors, that's it. Like it's like, well, that, you only get people's whole life. You don't get, that's just not how it works. Hmm. Um, we don't get to choose what part we get. So we try and work with everyone's whole selves. I don't know. I don't know if that's an answer to the question, but. No, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, that, that's great. I, I, I think that one of the things you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my perception as an outsider looking at, at LEPS, the culture of teamwork there is one that I have heard spoken highly of. And, I, and my wife, Jenny, worked there for a little while, I think before we had kids, so quite a while ago now. Yeah. Can, um, but um, you talk about teamwork, you talk about culture. Uh, does that come down, do you think, to just caring for one another well, or are there other things that you put in place to build that kind of culture that not only is a culture that people would want to be a part of, but represents the store well in the community? Yeah, um, the list is extensive. You know, we 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 constantly, and, and I think like choosing what you kind of content you take in is important as a business leader. Um, cause it shapes kind of how you do your day. There's a lot of, 
there's a lot of business leaders out there who are great coaches around culture and organize, especially organizational culture. And I mean, one of the things we've learned is like culture is going to happen. Like right. there is a culture, like it, it's not something you choose to do. It's whether you choose to do it well or whether you just let it become its own thing. Mm. Um, so a couple of the things we've done, I mean, we have our values and um, our values have always got, they've never changed our four core values. Um, they've never changed. We've had them since day one. Uh, their win is a team respect for all fanatical daymaker and work passionately. Those are just, that's just what it is. And those are like, we, you know, we joke, we live and die by our values, but we, it's not, not that much of a joke. It's like, right. no, this is actually true. Yeah. We can train you how to, you know, be a butcher, be a baker or a cook or whatever. Like we believe we have the ability to train people to do that, but we can't, we can't train people how to live out those values. It either works or it doesn't. And, um, and that's, and that's probably stemmed a lot from Robin Charlotte's, well, that's a lot of their like DNA. That's just kind of how we were brought up and, and we worked hard. I mean, we were farm kids, worked hard, and, but like we worked hard, but we played pretty hard. Um, and that was, that was part of it. And um, just having a level of respect for one another. And I mean, now more than ever, that's so important. Um, and then, you know, fanatical, we talk about, I don't think that's an actual word, fanatically day, fanatical daymakers. I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if you're going to find that in, in, in Webster's, but um, it's basically just saying like customer service is like where that's like table stakes um, and everyone says it and no one really does it. So we talk about like going, like it's, it's like we've, yeah, the stories have been incredible. We've delivered people's groceries. I've like pre-ordered groceries for someone at like a competitor store because we didn't have products they wanted just to make sure they get what they needed we've had cashiers like pay for people's groceries because they forgot their wallet or whatever. Mm. Like it's, yeah, it's, wow. we have story like one after the other stuff like that, which is incredible. Um, but we also think like, yeah, we want that to be, we want that to be part of like the culture, not only when you're at work, but like we want to surround ourselves with people who just like live life like that. We want mm. people who are passionate. We want people who, you know, are willing to be help out when someone's in need. We, that's just been so ingrained. And I think, you know, we do like the, you, you hear about some of these like really, you know, cheesy organizations that like have these like morning huddles and they like chant and cheer and do all these crazy things. We're one of those cheesy organizations. We do it. We live it. Yeah. And uh, we get together with our entire team who's ever working that day at 830 every single morning. And it's just a way for us to connect with the team, give a quick little like, hey, what's going on? Any news that needs to be announced um, or things that are coming up. And then. Uh, and then we like end with we cheer one of our values every single day for the last 12 years. We've done that every day, except for Sundays. For some reason, we don't do huddles on Sundays. I don't know what happened there. We just ran out of people to lead huddles. But um, so that's uh, so that's that. I mean, it's it's that it's we have a leadership development program we run. Um, so we we, uh, we try and invest in, in team members who want to make some self-improvements. Uh, we have tons of coaching tools. Uh, we recently brought on an HR uh, person who um, she's just incredible. And so she helps us with a lot of this kind of interpersonal coaching stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's the list goes on and on. We do tons of stuff, but um, you know, getting together, we're actually having our, our staff party tonight, our Christmas party, which now has to be like an outdoor drive-through thing. And yeah. so whatever, but that's uh, yeah, we try and make sure we, we connect with our team as much as we can. So. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. That sounds so much fun that you do the huddle every morning that I just imagine yeah. like you just must get stoked up for work every day. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a bit of- Bit of a Baptist revival vibe to it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, Jenny loved so it. You when just she mentioned was there. like you mentioned a lot about uh, like your teamwork and building a culture um, of leadership. So, are there any leadership lessons that you have kind of learned specifically in the pandemic? Yeah, lots. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> you you um, learn them whether you want to or not, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This was. This was something. It still is. Um, I think we did. Again, we did. Like one thing. I, I one thing we've learned. We learned really early on was like it's when stress and when when it gets real when it gets real intense and there's lots going on. Um, typically, people actually communicate less, uh, and they end up just like being caught in their like zone, department, wherever. Um, and we did, you know, some weeks we did this really well, some weeks we didn't, but we found the weeks where we were so intentional. We ended up having like stand-up manager. We usually have a management meeting once a week. We ended up having stand-up management meeting every day um, as things were changing so fast. It was like 10, 15, we do a quick little 10 minute, like anything we need to know. It's like probably everything has changed since yesterday. So yeah, there's lots that we need to go over. But um, that was that was something we found really, really, really useful. And that was just the learning of, when you're under the gun, typically people, yeah, under communicate. And that's the, usually when there's conflict because people don't know what's going on or like we thought we communicated and yet, you know, it goes on and on. So that'd be one. I think another one was um, we did a really good job of playing to our strengths as a leadership team. Uh, we have some really strong, um, we have people who are very strong in various areas. Uh, we have some visionaries, some great idea people who can like, here's the issue, come up with an idea like fast and come up with like five. So we can kind of talk it around um, quickly. And then we have some people who are just incredible, uh, incredible executors and they can just get it after it. As soon as it's like, this is where we're going, then it just kind of get out of their way and watch it happen. And so I think we found, we found we could lead, um, we could kind of stay in our, our strength zones as we made these decisions as a team, again, we did that well sometimes and we didn't do it so well. Um, that would be one. Um, I think a leadership lesson was we lived in, we lived in some internal conflict for, for, and still do things come up, right. Where there's conflict. I think we haven't been faced as a business, um, until COVID hit where, yeah, we had some, there were some, heated conversations about mm-hmm. like and i mean about any like whatever pick a subject it, 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 there was a point where everyone was just so exhausted and and yeah stressed and whatever that it could have been the littlest thing but um there there's a level of there's a level of health to that too and um you know i i said it again in another meeting we had last week just out of the gate. I said, Hey, you and me like disagree on this, like out of the gate. And it wasn't anything, you know, crazy, but like, it's really good for us to, to, to battle this one out. Cause this is the way we're going to make the best decision. So like, if we all just think the same thing, we're never going to make it, we're never going to make the best decision. We'll make a decision. Um, but I don't think it will push us to really find, really get to the bottom of an issue. So learning, I think learning what's healthy conflict 
um, and how it can actually push, push you pretty hard. And I mean, yeah, boy, did we make some changes. So there was things all the time. So we had a lot of that, but I think it also learning, it's like, yeah, this can, this can show the strength. This can show the strength of your team in a hurry. Um, so I'm thankful for the legwork that we did, um, for the, you know, six years with this team leading up to this, um, we've, we've always worked on our, on our team culture and on that leadership group and the level of trust we have for one another. It's, it's, it's intense. Yeah. That's a pretty tight crew. Yeah. Cool. So do you, uh, are you a resilient kind of person or did you find yourself getting beat down by the constant change and arguing or conflict and that kind of thing? Um, one thing I definitely learned about myself in COVID is I can roll with it. And yeah, that yeah. was that I, I love change. I mean, I don't know if I've ever had two days that are the same. Right. And, and, but that also has its dark side. Um, you know, people around me get tired <laughs> Just with, with the, with the amount of, with the amount of ideas and, oh, it's just, I mean, for every, you know, hundred ideas I have, I do one of them maybe. Mm-hmm. So it, um, but I, yeah, I found that I would, I would put myself in a fairly resilient, uh, yeah, or adaptable. I don't know if yeah. those are interchangeable, but yeah, sure. yeah I can, uh, I can kind of get in and get into whatever we need to get into. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what you said about stress a few minutes ago. Um, I've learned about myself and about stress that when we get stressed, we actually default to some of the weaker parts of our personality and not our strengths. And so if you're unaware of that, when it's happening, you're actually hurting yourself and people around you because you're not really operating from what you're good at doing anymore. Yeah. Um, No, I think that's an important thing. Like we've always done personality style testing mm. and disc or PSI, whatever. Um, Yeah. There's a million of them, whatever you use, but I think it is, that's such an important piece to who we are and we're able to like kind of talk the same language. And also you're able to like, tell someone like, Hey, we're, we're actually leaving you out of this discussion. Cause this isn't like, you don't need to be here. Like it's mm. important to know when, you know, for any other reason, other than hurting someone's feelings, like why they need to be involved. It's like, yeah. well, okay, we can, there, there's better reason there, there's better uses of time. But like, just to what you said, it's like, if you don't know, if you don't know, even at a surface level, how you operate, and what your strengths and, and, and weaknesses are. And then when you're stressed, you really don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, that's hard. I can imagine that being hard. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, two quick ones for me. Um, well, the first one, I don't know how quick it'll be, but, um, uh, we're talking in December, this is coming out in January. So the flooding is a little bit behind by the time people hear this, but, uh, what impact did that have on your family and your business? Yeah. So like one of our main farm operations is on number five road in Sumas Prairie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, that still, well, it still is. Yeah. I don't know if I'll talk in pre in pretense post, but cause I imagine by, you know, January, we're not, <laughs> we're not much further ahead of than where we are right now, mm-hmm. but we have a seasonal worker house in, in Sumas that's pretty much brand new. That houses like 35 of our uh, foreign workers that come up from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, there's, you know, that was everything. And now everything currently is gutted down to the studs in that building. Wow. Um, and my brother and his wife and their uh, family of, well, there's six of them all together. They have four kids. They live on that property as well. And in, in pretty much a brand, brand, brand newly renovated house. Um, and so they're out of, you know, 
they're out of they're out of that house too and the shop and all of our equipment and everything was out there so yeah it was pretty ugly like when you go when you take a boat and you go boating through your property that's a oh. that's a real quick indication of where things are at yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but so right now thankfully we're not in any like crop season but any crops we did have in the ground are, are lost and uh, there'll be some equipment damage but yeah we have um you know our first a couple of our first guys who come up from Mexico, they get here in March. Uh, and there's probably no way we have that house ready by then just with current supply chain issues and everything else. So yeah, we're feeling pretty up against it. And it's, uh, and it's a, it's a point of, it's so much work, but it actually doesn't like help us get anywhere, you know, like if we already did this once we did the renos and we built the house and we did all the clean up the yard. So now you're just kind of like, you almost have to look at it as like, okay, well, let's just pretend we didn't do it once. And we're now we're doing it again. Right. And that's the only way you can like mentally get behind it. Um, but yeah, that was, it has been an exhausting season. Uh, we've had, you know, Megan and I for a short time had to live at our parents' house because our basement was underwater and our farm manager and his family, there's 11 of us living at that house. And then my brother and his sister were living or my brother and his wife and their kids were living there for the last like two weeks they just found a place to live so you know it's been hard on on my parents having everybody around and it's chaos and we're getting ready for the christmas season and then you know in matsby the roads the roads have been an absolute disaster so mm -hmm. um you know yeah it's 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 had a pretty significant impact on our business especially going into a very typically busy season for us this is uh december obviously around you know all things food is is a pretty is a pretty big month for us so ending off the year with what looked to be pretty dismal um they open highway 11 and stuff now again so um that's been that's been better but yeah it's had a lot of impact and there's a lot of trickle down right like there's there's all the you know there's a lot of agriculture that got affected so what that looks like in the short to medium term is going to be interesting um but yeah that was everyone will probably you know with highway one being open and, and roads being back open um, most people will forget about the flood in Sumas Prairie, except for everyone who lives in Sumas Prairie. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's people, yeah, like we're recording this in early December and, and there's people who still can't get into their houses. They're still sitting water, but like the news has kind of moved on and, you know, we've, it's like any, it's like any disaster, right? Once like the majority of people like move on, it's oh, okay. We're back to normal. So, yeah. That's not totally the case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's had multiple impacts, but I think the biggest one being on, on my brother and his family and, and, and then just on the farm, us trying to figure out a way to kind of like, we can get things done pretty quick. We're pretty busy group. Um, but this will be, this will be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, anything else from you, Holly? I don't think so. This has been a, a great conversation. Yeah, it has been. I think this will be helpful for lots of people. And I want to end with this one, Jason. You talked about the importance of food. Uh, I want to know if you had to pick your last meal, what is Ooh. Jason Lepp eating? Great question. <clears throat> hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think I'd probably go... I look forward to summer and like kind of the Mediterranean vibe, you know, right. yeah. get my, get my Greek on, um, like some, and like grilled chicken thighs are my favorite protein of all time. 
that's just like so you get a little souvlaki chicken thighs going on with some like fresh hummus fresh greek salad olives some fresh pita the whole bit we're sitting outside having a nice glass of wine like that sounds good doesn't it yeah. sounds amazing yeah, sound good. Uh, yeah if the good lord came and got me right after that that'd be that'd be awesome yeah that'd be if i could end it that way that'd be pretty good yeah <laughs> oh, that's great yeah nice well hey thanks so much jason really appreciate your insight and um and spending the time with us today thank you yeah thanks guys yeah, yeah thanks, thanks to our listeners for for listening in and holly and i will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, the next episode of the connect podcast